So a bit of a giveaway, actually, but um, I just wanted to start with a bit of confession. I love being in control. I love to be in control of everything. I like a plan B, preferably a plan C as well. And today has totally stressed me out because these young people, they don't care about my plan B and plan C. They don't even really see the need for a plan A. As far as they were concerned, if the testimony was written down by Saturday... Well, then it was early. Um, so, so I love spending time with these young people. Uh, but more than that, I think it's really good for me. I think they're teaching me a better, more biblical way to live. Because the problem with plan A, B, and C is that it doesn't leave much room for God to move. When Jesus tells his disciples to pick up, to give up everything and to follow him, At no point did he say, put everything away safely so it's still there if you need it later. He didn't even say, sell everything, give the money to a trusted friend so you know where to find it. He just said, follow me. And they did. Um, Over the last year or two, this realisation has dawned on me. And I found that God has blessed me immensely at the times when I've trusted him above all else. And that doesn't mean that I've given up planning. I will always be a planner, and I think God made me that way. Um, But I'm finding, when I plan prayerfully, with him guiding what I'm doing, uh, things are way better than when I put myself in charge. And there are times when I've let myself be more vulnerable or when I've shared more honestly or more than I would naturally find comfortable. Or there are times when I've had to ask God to help me um, as I've accepted more of the challenges that he's laid out for me. And all of those things make me feel vulnerable, or, as my daughter would call it, stressy. Um, (laughs) But through those times, I've realized how good and faithful and genuinely helpful God is. And that's a really amazing realisation because it's comforting and exciting at the same time. So all of this has led me to another thing that I'm not that good at, uh, which is changing the way I think, backtracking or even admitting I'm wrong. In order to learn and develop, I've had to change my thinking. It's not about my strength and it was wrong of me to think that it was. Now I'm not alone. The Bible is full of examples of people that do just that. Uh, So immediately the pharaoh of Egypt springs to mind. He was not good at backtracking. So time and again through Moses, God asks him to change his thinking and to alter his plan and to let the Israelites go. But Pharaoh wasn't good at backing down. The Israelites were his slaves. He didn't want to let them out of Egypt. So he stuck with his plan through disaster after disaster. But we don't want to be like that. We really don't. Because although he still thought he was the leader, he was achieving nothing except pain and suffering for all those involved. Eventually, that inability to admit that he was wrong, to back down and change his thinking, meant that he lost everything. Then, there's Joseph's brothers. Remember the story of Joseph, Jacob's favourite son, who his father loved so much, he gave him a special coat. His brothers were jealous, and they felt Joseph was arrogant and annoying. 
So, as is often the case with sibling rivalry, they teased and ridiculed Joseph. Then they took it a bit further than most, and they plotted to kill him, and they sold him as a slave. Um, But despite this rough start, Joseph, using only his skills and honesty, was successful in life, and he ended up as second in command as Pharaoh's chief advisor. And the brothers eventually got it right. It couldn't have been comfortable for them to go cap in hand to Joseph and admit that they'd got it all wrong, to ask for forgiveness. But when they realized that Joseph had thrived, despite their best efforts, they apologized and they asked for forgiveness and help. And Joseph was amazing when he realized. And this is how we're taught to behave in the Bible. In the Gospels, as we've just heard from Jan, we are called to repent and believe. So I just thought it would be good to take a minute to think about what that really means. The diver, Tom Daly, um, he told the press in the interview that he believed from an early age that he would be a world-class diver. And this belief affected every decision that he made. It affected what he ate. It affected how he spent his time growing up. It affected who he put his trust in, who he hung out with. He acted according to his belief. Caroline Flack, who won Strictly Come Dancing this year, one of my favourite programmes, she said she got halfway through and realised that she could win. And once she realised that she might actually win, this altered her dancing, it altered her confidence, and there was no stopping her. So her belief that she could win was acted out on the dance floor. And that's the point with genuine belief. Genuine belief changes the way that we act. When we believe something to be true, we behave accordingly. I believe that Mark is a great husband. So genuine was this belief that I've lived half my life believing it. I married him. And I still believe one day he'll be a great husband. (laughs) Seriously, though, sometimes... We pin all our hopes and our strengths and our beliefs on the wrong thing. We can get some way down the line and realize that we were wrong and that the lifestyle we found ourselves in is not what God wants for us. And this is kind of what I was saying at the beginning with the control thing. When we realize that we have the wrong idea, when it becomes clear that we're not getting it right, we have to change our minds and refocus on God. So remember in the bit that Jan read for us, we were called to repent and believe. So many people think that repent means to say sorry, uh, but it doesn't. Literally translated, repent means to change the way that you are thinking. It's not enough to simply say sorry. Uh, So my oldest daughter, who is nine, has developed a skill for saying sorry whilst portraying as little sorriness as possible. So she'll do something wrong, I'll make her say sorry, she'll go, sorry. And then I'll say, no, try again and see if you can sound sorry. And she'll go, sorry. And then eventually she'll say a sorry that sounds like a sorry. And my son's even worse, he can't even say the whole word. He'll say, soz. But that's not repenting that's not what god wants not just to be sorry until the next time that you do it 
That's not what repent means. Repent means to alter way your thinking, to move on and to develop. With Jesus, we can leave our mistakes at the cross and we can move forward from there. So repent and believe, as we are told to do by Jesus, means change the way you are thinking and then act upon it. Most of the young people that stood up here this morning have made a choice to do just that. At some point, mainly during Soul Survivor, um, they stopped vaguely thinking about God as someone that their mum said existed, and they stopped only coming to youth events and programs because it was expected of them. They repented of that attitude. They changed their thinking. They embraced God as a personal friend and saviour to them. And they believe now that God is living and active. They know a relationship with him will change their lives. They have acted on their belief. They are doing as Jesus told them to do. They've repented and they believe. And it's why they're here today. And it's why they've just committed this amazing act of obedience in their baptisms. And it's why they're looking for ways to serve the church and to serve each other. And you can hear it in their prayers. And you can see it in their behavior. Now, I'm not saying they're saints. They're still teenagers. And just because they've made this commitment, it doesn't mean you won't see a grumpy face or you can turn your back on the biscuits. They'll still eat them all. Um, But they're acting on their beliefs. And with God's help, they will continue to do so. But sometimes that's easier than other times. Um, Sometimes things get in the way. So for me, it's that pesky pride and control. We don't like to put ourselves out there, do we? If we've made a big fuss about doing things our way, it's really hard to back down and admit we might have been wrong. And sometimes it's equally hard when we see someone doing just that to act with good grace. But when Jesus meets his disciples after the crucifixion, he's all about grace. Not once do the words, see, I told you, appear in the Gospels. And because of Jesus, that's all we have to do. Repent and act out our belief, and he's waiting with open arms for us. So to quote one of my favorite parts in the Bible, we just have to find our way back to God, and he will do the rest. When the prodigal son returns, the father rushes to greet him, and he says, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And when we repent and believe and thus find our way back to God, he is thrilled. Today he is overjoyed because six young people have found their way closer to him. And it's a journey that we commit to for our whole lives. There's always repenting and believing to be done. Always a chance to review our behavior and move nearer to God. We just need to jump in and take the opportunities as they come. And we don't even have to plan them. It's as simple as that.